Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again today. We've got a great show planned for you as we continue to apply the Lordship of Jesus to our lives and our focus this month. <laughs> Here at Living Stones is a is a good focus for the start of a new year, and that is how do we grow uh, so that by the time we're reflecting on this year, months from now, if the Lord gives us that, we're not looking back going, "Hey, we're the same people that started the year." We want to change. We want to grow. We want to be. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better pastor, a better person, better leader. I know you do too. Um, so we've been talking about what does that look like and what are the nuts and bolts of that. And of course, if you tuned in to our podcast last Thursday, uh, we talked about three ways that Jesus grew people. And we took the first one, which was revelation, that you cannot grow apart from God. In other words, God is the one who takes the, the veil off of our eyes. That's what the word revelation means, removing the veil so that we can see we can see ourselves as we really are. We can see Jesus as as how awesome and beautiful He really is, uh, and we just see things through the through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, and He's the one that brings about you know transformation in our life. So that was a great podcast. In fact, I encourage you if you missed it, go back and and check it out yeah. as we're as we're building upon truth here today. But can we just add real yeah, quick? Yeah. You know, I, I shared this with somebody. I don't remember who. You know, if if, if I, I tell you, look, you got three years to change the world. Okay. To change the systems of the whole world, okay, yep. and no uh, small task. <laughs> yeah, you got three years now. The the, the the trick is you have all authority. You can heal the sick, you can raise the dead, walk on water, multiply food. You can do these crazy things that no one ever seen before. Yep. But you only have three years. What would you do to change the world? I mean, just ask yourself that question right now. Now, most people will probably like run for Congress or get a platform, yep. start a TikTok account, come out with my brand new book, uh, press conference, book crusades, whatever it is. Campaign. You only got three years. Yep. That's the trick. You don't have 10 years. You only got three years. Now, what Jesus decided to do was to, to, to invest in a small group of people. Which is crazy. It's so counterintuitive. It's crazy. You, most people wouldn't do that. Even in the world today, we wouldn't be like, you know what? I'm going to spend most of my time with a small group of, of guys and with various backgrounds and then go from there. And of course, this is crazy because we're not just talking about basic change. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about discipling a planet. We're you know we're talking yeah. about spreading the good news, rise and falls of empires and kingdoms. You oh, know, yeah. changing the, the the history of the world as we know it. I mean, that's basically the the transformation. Even politically, if you look at it, the transformation Christianity has done to the world. You know, so, so Jesus doesn't go macro; he goes micro. Yeah, which is crazy. It's an interesting model. It's a very powerful model. And then and he, he, and he doesn't he doesn't go after experts, which is what kind of what we talked about last week. Yeah. Jesus didn't build his kingdom on people who thought a lot of themselves and who were big shots and who were the powerful you know power brokers of the world he did just the opposite he, he he's going micro but he's going micro with a bunch of fishermen and blue collar guys who who weren't the, uh, the 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 top of the list for being picked to you know to to follow uh, the, the uh, master or to be to be discipled or groomed by by a spiritual leader those those guys were not making the cut sure they were just humble normal middle class as we would say blue collar guys so it, it, Jesus is totally counterintuitive with what he's doing here. Absolutely. And then what he did, how did he grew his disciples? How what what did he what did he actually do? 
He gave them three things. He taught them. He gave them revelations. Mm -hmm. He built relationship with them. And he gave them responsibility. Yeah. And that's where we came with the three R's. Yep. So our model is basically what, trying to imitate what Jesus did, which yep. I think is pretty effective. Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, here at Living Stones, we, we're about growing people. And then we're about multiplying that growth <coughs> into other people. And that's really, we're trying as best as we can to, to glean from uh, from the wisdom of Jesus Christ, the King. And, uh, and that's what he did. He, he grew people really, really well. And then he taught them to do the same things that, that he did. And that's, that is our assignment. That's why we call this the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Because that's really what we want to do is help equip people to equip people who equip people. And that's how the gospel multiplies. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about this. Because we kicked off with Revelation. Yeah. And then you shared some amazing uh, truth this last Sunday about the whole thing of relationships. And and like you said, you know, we all get it. Like, yeah, we you know. We need to have good relationships, but you really drove home that it's it's more than just uh, again head knowledge. It is like life is it, it is as, as important to, as life itself. Yeah. Um, talk about that. I guess that evolution in your own growth yeah. and maturity. The, the process in my mind to truly understand this was reading through a lot of uh, books by Harry Clown, John Townsend. These are Christian psychology counselors whatever they call it. You know, they, they have a medical background, but they also have a deep yeah. theological background. And let me just say, you know, a lot of you get book tips from us on this show, and you appreciate that because I get texts all the time, Pastor, what's something you recommend reading? Uh, both Henry Cloud and John Townsend's works are phenomenal. And if you want to know how to, you know, have better relationships, set boundaries in your life, yeah. uh, move in integrity. I mean, we, we've talked about a number Some of their of books, books, but, yeah. uh, but this book, um, How People Grow, is, again, one of their... One of their books. Yeah, and what, what's really interesting to me is they really relay that our need for connection, um, that need is on part of our need for water and air. And, you know, again, if you think about your kids, you would never deprive your kids willingly water or air or right. food. The thought of your, your, your kids going hungry, my kids going hungry, pains me just the thought of that. Yeah. But often, because we don't understand relationship or connection to that level, we often again, unknowingly, not intentionally, deprive them of the relational connections because it's just not, it's more subtle. It's not and as what, obvious. And what child development, you know, experts are finding out is they've known for years, if children don't receive touch, talking, holding, you know, even even the way God designed a baby to be fed in the, in the arms of his mother, that's all part of, that's more important or equally as important as the milk that the baby needs to live is the, the holding, the cuddling, the kissing, the, the affection, the touch. The, what we call focus attention, focus connection. And my, my wife really taught me that because, you know, we would spend time together. We'll be watching TV together. I'll be on my phone. She'll be on her phone. But <laughs> yeah, it's not You're the sitting same. next yeah. to each other on the couch. So like, like I said, proximity is not the same as connection. Yeah. So now, now I'm like, no, we need to go on date nights. In which we there's focus, there's time. You know, I've started inst uh, instituting one on ones with, with some of my direct reports at the church because we talk. I, we would talk all the time. You know, we we're passing by, we're solving problems. But in the one on ones, when we focus on making that connection right. uh, and, and and say, hey, you know, what are you really going through? And that's that power of connection is something that I've. This is not theoretical for me. I'm right. testing it. I'm working. Right. I'm living it. I'm living. So, so the key thing being, you're, you're not going to grow. Uh, and be transformed unless 
you have meaningful relationships in your life, just like you're, you have to eat every day, you have to drink every day, you have to breathe every day. Right. What you're saying is we also have to connect every day. Yeah, you, your formula to grow. Your formula to grow your muscles. It's not just going to the gym and working out. You have to eat healthy. You have to make sure you drink enough water. As I'm getting older and older, I realize being hydrated is so important. Yeah. Something that you don't really think of. It's not flashy, drinking water. Right. Right. But drinking but water. Just try to go without. Yeah, try to go without. Try to be dehydrated. So water water and eating healthy and getting enough sleep and getting rest and make sure not to stress. Those are the unsexy things about growing your muscles that is crucial right. to the development. And, right? you know, we highlighted this too during, the, you know, we're talking about government policy during this COVID pandemic, the isolationism, the quarantining people, the shutting down their, their you know, connections. Yeah. This has had a huge uh, backlash in terms of the emotional well-being, suicide rates going sky high, isolation, loneliness. <coughs> you know, we again, we we should have been as concerned with that as we were with the virus. Absolutely. Because the point you're making today yeah. is that's what keeps us healthy. Right. Doesn't make us sick. It makes it keeps us healthy. It keeps us sane. It keeps us emotionally healthy. And your emotional health and spiritual health are foundational to your physical health. Well, that's a great example of how we again say relationships are important, but by our policies. We're saying, no, it's not really that important because we can always say something, right. but your actions dictate what you truly believe. Right. So when you say, hey, yeah, relationships are important, but you make no no accommodations, no margins, no, no, <clears throat> no resource dedicated to relationships, then it's really not that important to you. And again, it goes back to my whole point. It's like, then admit that it's not that important to you. Right. Don't, you know, don't, don't hide it. Just, right. just admit that's the truth. And you, you, know? you gave three, you know, you like broke it down for us, which was really good. You talked about three uh, types of people or three kinds of relationships, not just relationships in general, but three specific types of relationships that we need to have with people. Right, and the purpose I did that, I mean, truthfully, a person could be all three. In fact, the Holy Spirit is all three. Jesus right. was all three. In fact, the most effective relationships are those who are all three. They're encourager, they're counselor, and they're challenger. Okay. So so these are the three again. You need someone you need an encourager, encourager, you need a challenger, and you need a, a counselor. what I call a counselor. And like right? you said too, sometimes um, if we focus on counselor and challenger first and not encourager, you, you never you never get welcome to do those things and I thought you brought out a good point like if I'm if I encourage you and you know I genuinely love you then you're gonna let me into your life and you're gonna be able to receive it if I challenge you about something you'll go hey I know Pastor Ron loves me I'm not threatened by that he's not trying to hurt me he's not trying to be mean to me because he's such an encourager and he believes in me I'm gonna listen to him and then I'm also gonna be able he's a safe place so I'll be able to go to him and I'm going to be able to receive some good counsel from him, and I'm going to really be able to share my struggles. So, like you said, one person can be all of those things. It's probably most effective. The Holy person. Spirit is all of those things. I think we should those. we should strive to be all of those yeah. things for our friends. Uh, but there really is, I think, a pecking order. And you and you hit the the nail on the head when we start with this whole role of encourager. Why is encouragement so important? What does it look like? And, and how, how do we how do we bring that to other people? Yeah, and I. The, the, the purpose of encourager is literally to give courage to people in the middle of, of, like of encourage pour, pour yeah. courage inside somebody else. You can't get more 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 simple than that. Yeah. You literally pour courage into somebody else. You know, and, and the reason just go back real quick. The reason I clarified those three relationships is because relationship when you, when I say you need good relationships to grow, that could mean anything to anybody. Right. It, without being clear, people can lose the point. 
So, 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 so these three connect, I, I like the word connection even better than relationship because you're thinking about a pinpoint connection of encouragement. When is the last time someone came and gave me a dose of encouragement that I left feeling, man, I feel cur- I feel completely different. This task that I was trying to do before, I could know, like, I, I feel like I couldn't do it before. Now I feel like I can. So that's not just some uh, amorphous uh, general relationship, right. proximity. It's a direct encouragement dose. I like that. That, that helps you. That word you said, connection. You know, there's something powerful when you when you feel like, man, we had a we had an amazing conversation, or you leave so encouraged. It's like what you're really saying is there was a a heart to heart, head to head, you know, connection between us that, that really brought life to me. And and so we're looking for these three critical connection points. Yep. One of them being a steady flow of encouragement. Yeah, I just want to ask you, the viewer, you know. All of us, when's the last time you left someone's presence and you felt really encouraged? And I, I would say probably for a while. It's probably not su- super often because we're not proactively saying, hey, you know what? I need encouragement in our lives. Just like we're not proactively, most of us, most of us aren't saying, you know what? I need more spinach in my life or more, <laughs> even though we know it, yeah. but we don't proactively seek after those things because we forget. Right. And and, and then our life, our, 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 our life, spiraled down in discouragement, disarray, and pains and hurts, and we're wondering why. Well, it's because there's no source of encouragement to help us push through those thresholds. And I found this to be true. Um, Sometimes people will say, well, you know, uh, nobody at church reaches out to me, or, you know, I don't have these kind of great relationships. You know, I I don't understand. Um, I think a great place to start is examine and let the Holy Spirit show you what are, what's coming out of your mouth when you're around people. I mean, some people, you get around them and instantly negative, 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 and they just drain you because it's all either focused on themselves, it's focused on criticizing, talking about other people in an ungodly way, and you almost like run the opposite direction. And then the person standing there going, why, why don't I have friends? Well, why don't we why don't we start by changing what we're saying and changing what our focus is? Are we uplifting? Are we positive? Do we do we do we find the good in people or are we critical, negative, murmuring, gossiping, and then we wonder why no one wants to be around us? Yeah, and like I mentioned earlier, like uh, to establish these types of connections is something beyond the purview of any person. We cannot manufacture. I remember as a kid, my parents would be like, "Hey, so and so, just be best friends with this kid." Right. Has that ever worked? Has that ever yeah. worked with you or your kids? No. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna. Oh, my mom told me to be best friends with you. <laughs> you can't manufacture those relationships. Right. The Holy Spirit is the one. But what we can do is cre- try to create a culture and an environment for those relationships to happen, and to encourage people to say, hey. I want to encourage you to be an encourager. Amen. Think through a one person you could, Amen. not everyone in the world, and just you one know, person you encourage. We do this every week at Living Stones, and it's it's not a religious thing or, or a habit. It really is an intentional thing on our part because what we're saying is we've come together. We've just sung and worshiped and praised the Lord. And now take a moment and find somebody around you that maybe you haven't seen for a week uh, since last Sunday, uh, or maybe you don't know yet. And introduce yourself or give somebody a hug or tell somebody you love them and appreciate them. Uh, And and invariably, even though I tell everybody, hey, get out of your seats, go meet somebody. There will be people who will be standing right there. They have not moved one iota. They're not talking to anybody. They're not reaching out to anybody. And then they're wondering why they're having a hard time connecting. So, yeah, yeah, we really have to be intentional and practical. But if you live a life that way, you will have 
a lot of great life-giving connections. Yeah, I'll just give one hint. I mean, I could preach on... There's so much more to say about that sermon, but but the one thing I've learned about a good encourager, a true yeah. encourager, encouraging connection is, is you really do need to learn what people's struggles are. If it's, it can't be superficial, right? Right. Because people's struggles are often not obvious. Right. No one. It's not. So I can't turn to you and say, Andrew, hey, dude, you're, you're, you're the awesome. Best. You're the best. Well, you're people awesome. People sometimes share that, like, hey, you're you're just really appreciating. You're, you're doing a great job. And I'm thinking, you you don't even know what my struggle is. Now, now don't get me wrong. I appreciate right. your, I appreciate your efforts to do that. But it doesn't hit home with me to really make the connection of an encourager because you have no clue what that struggle. And and I'm not saying it's easy because my struggles are complex. So so there are not going to be that many encouragers in my life. But that's okay. I only need everybody to doesn't know you at that level. At that level. But but for those who aspire to be encourager, good. you do have you, you have to have the hard work. Do the hard work of going into people's world and to see what other struggles look so like. So if I knew you had a certain fear or a certain challenge in, yeah. in a certain area, but I watched you overcome that and I watched you press through. Or I, you're close to it and you're about to give up to come alongside and yeah. say, hey, you're doing great. Don't let so, up. So it's much more meaningful because I know you yeah. to be able to say, hey, I'm really proud of you, man. That was awesome. It's awesome the way you pressed through. It was awesome the way you faced that fear because I know that that was a big fear for you. But but look at look at now where you're at. Look what God did. You know, yeah. great job, man. Well, I, I believe in you. That that's better than just you're awesome, man. Because <laughs> I don't know yeah. anything about it's, you. Exactly. So so there's real work involved in being encourager. It's not just like hey, you know what? That's all and just be more positive. Again, that's great. Being positive is more great. Positive is right. better, better than negative, negative right? Yeah. But but what I learned to truly be encourager someone is you gotta get into people's lives in an unobtrusive way. <laughs> You know, in, in the way that they can truly be an asset to them. It takes uh, self-awareness. It takes sensitivity. It takes listening to the Holy Spirit. It yeah. takes a real sense of care and dying to yourself. So th- none of this is easy. Yeah, being okay. in, being intentional about yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if you, again, if you, if you want encouragers in your life, be an encourager. Yeah. Um, and find ways to, to uh, constructively speak courage into people and say, again, I, I believe in them when they feel like quitting. Encourage them. Don't quit. Keep pressing through. You're going to make it. It's going to be all right. Those are important messages. Yeah. Now let's go to the next one. Let's talk a little bit about the challenger. We we all love encouragers, but talk to us about the challenger. That sounds a bit intimidating and scary. Hi, my friend. I'm the challenger. Right, the challenger. <laughs> yeah, the challenger is typically not often welcome in, in many social circles, especially in our world today, in which no one likes to be challenged. We like to stay in our echo chambers, and we like to hear things that we all really know and we already agree with. Right. Okay? Right. But, but, but the challenger really brings new life. So if you think about it as making me uncomfortable, it seems negative. But if you see, see the challenger as a person who gets you out of your rut, Everyone's speaking the same language, but you got a disruptor who says, you know what, let's try something new. How about a new thought that we have never thought about before? And you gave a good example, because by nature, we'll be around people that we like being with, and they make us comfortable. That's yeah. our status quo, and, yeah. and that's why they're our friends, because we can go out and we just, you know, we just be ourselves. Yeah. But sometimes that cannot be the best environment for growth, because... If you're around people who just love you as you are, and you know, and let's just hang out, and, uh, you're not really in, a, in an environment where you're challenged to become more. Yeah. And you said, you know, every you don't have a whole bunch of challengers in your life. You have people like your wife, for instance. She knows you very well. She loves you. She's in covenant with you. Um, you invited her to challenge you. You've also gone outside of the church mm-hmm. uh, to where people don't know you in this context. And they don't care, as you said, about the pastor in front of your name. They, they just know you as Andrew, as a, as a friend, as a brother. Uh, and you invite them 
to speak into your life. Yeah. Talk about that and why that is so powerful. Yeah, and this is what I learned about people who are committed to growth. To me, the people who are committed to growth are the people who strategically ask for challengers in their life. It's it's like the guy who says, you know what, this is painful, but this is necessary. Yeah. And they, they, they make allotment for that in a very strategic way. Not just like, yeah, you know, I welcome, you know, I welcome so-and-so to speak in my life. No, there's strategic allotment for of resources for, for <laughs> someone to speak into your life to say, hey, I'm going to be transparent about this process. Just tell me what was off about that. Or, or, hey, it's very vulnerable. I share about, you know, I was preaching a sermon for my wife before I share with the congregation. It's very vulnerable for me. It's, it's not comfortable for me to preach to her, even though she loves me. And, and then you let her give you feedback. That's the, because I worked so hard on it. This is like my precious thing. I spent hours on it and I'm allowing someone to tear her apart. Not, she doesn't tear her apart, but, no, but it's, criticize it's, it. Yeah. Your, your, your message is an expression of your life, your heart. Yeah, and hours and hours and hours. And then, and then I, I, I've seen your, your notes before where there are lines through certain paragraphs. Oh, Talk geez. about the lines in the paragraphs. Was that Debbie's editing? Uh, this time, I, I had a ch I didn't chance have a chance to really go through it, but there were but I edited it myself. But there were definitely times in which my wife tells me, you know what, that just does not resonate. I, I can know what you're saying because I know you, but to the larger audience, yeah, that doesn't resonate, and, and that's not and, helpful. And that's that's helpful because she represents. Kind of than every person out there who doesn't think like who's not in my head. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, I know what you're going thinking there, but that that doesn't really move me, or that's right. not helpful. Or I'm confused after you shared that. I'm I'm more confused, yeah. and, and our goal is not to confuse people. So obviously, that's good information. Yeah. My goal is not for me to be heard. My goal is to try to deliver the word, the, the heart of the Lord, so we can grow together. Right. So I have to check and, my allegiance at that point. And you, yeah. And you brought out a great point about allegiance. Yeah. That's exactly where I wanted to go. You said that when Debbie or another trusted friend actually gives you the final 10% or challenges you on something, mm -hmm. you know, maybe, again, I think some of the folks that you've invited in have a, have a certain level of expertise or experience. And you're going, hey, I can learn from you and grow from you. So I want you to tell me, like, where am I doing it wrong? Maybe it's with investments or, you know, finances or how to organizational structure. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. So we need people, whether it's our wife or, or, or an expert, to be able to speak into our lives. But you said you're confronted with a challenge every time of, of loyalty. Like, is your loyalty going to be towards I'm right or is my loyalty going to be towards I really want to grow? Yeah. So so sometimes when I'm criticized or uh, when I'm challenged, okay, then the heart's never criticism is to help me. But but to, when I'm challenged, there is always a pushback in me that says you don't know the other side of the story. Or what about right. this? And, and and here's the thing is I might even be like if you calculate statistically in this challenge, I might even be 57% right and I'm only 43% wrong. But when I think that way, my allegiance to being right. Right. But when I think, man, I can improve on that forty-six percent of being wrong, my allegiance is to growth. And if we're That's if our allegiance part. is going to be towards being right, we we have just doomed ourselves to. Uh, you can always rationalize to say, well, they don't really know what they're talking yeah, about. There. People that are always justifying why they're doing what they're doing instead of being open to change never grow. They just stay yeah. rigid. They stay the same. Even if I'm one percent wrong but ninety-nine percent right. When I'm challenged by that 1%, the growth-minded person says, you know what, I'm going to receive that 1%. I'm not, I don't care that I'm 99% right. I'm going to go to the 1%. And think growth. about this in a marriage relationship because, you know, your, your spouse knows you better than anyone. And they actually committed to, to being your spouse for the rest of their life. So they have a lot invested 
And, uh, and when our when our, my wife, for instance, would share something with me, the tendency in my flesh is to defend myself. Or she might say, well, that, that's confusing to me. Well, what if I said, well, there's things that you say that are confusing to me. <laughs> okay, well, now we just ended yeah, the how discussion. how does that help anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just threw a grenade on your side when she was trying to help me to grow. And then I just didn't handle it right because I'm insecure or prideful. And I... I threw a grenade and all of a sudden communicate. She just stopped being a challenger at that point. Yeah. And, and she, she really can't pour more into my life until I, I take the grenades out of my pocket. Now it's, now it's adversarial. Yeah. Now you're fighting. Yeah. And this happens all the time in marriage. It's like you get feedback and your defensiveness rises up and you start saying, well, you do the same thing too. Well, it doesn't matter if she does the same thing. If your allegiance to grow, you wouldn't blame. You would just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to receive that because this is a gift for yeah. me to grow. Now, that mentality I just described is really, really hard. Let's just be real. Yeah. Very few people are able to disarm and say, you know what? It's not about right and wrong. I'm not going to point fingers. I'm simply going to receive the nugget of truth and take that as a gift. Yeah. We have an exercise that we do uh, in our discipleship groups with our men where um, we, we go and we ask our wives, we ask our children, we ask those closest to us, can you please tell me what you feel like is one of my biggest blind spots? Like, where am I not getting, where, where do I really need to grow? And I asked my wife this just yesterday because it was part of my homework assignment. And I know when I ask her, she, she knows me better than anyone and she will gently tell me an area where she feels like I need to grow. And the area she told me I needed to grow in was being present, mm -hmm. just what you're preaching on, and listening, mm -hmm. and doing a better job of connecting, especially with several of my children. Now, I don't want to, as a dad, who does not want to be well connected <laughs> to your kids or to the heart of your wife? Yeah. I think we all do. And it's one of our most painful things when we feel like we're living in the same house, but we're not connecting. And so that's where I just said, thank you, honey. I'm going to do a better job. I'm going to be intentional yep. about learning to listen better and to be more fully present. That's good. Because That's I good. want to grow. That's good. Yeah. And and these are powerful, powerful principles. You know, uh, I have a young man who lived in my basement for several years. But one day he came to me. He's like, you know what? I see all these other people doing one-on-one -on -one with you. Why am I? Can I do one-on-one -on -one with you also? Yeah. And we start doing one-on-one, -on -one and our relationship just skyrocket. Our both our growth skyrocket, and it was just amazing because proximity is not connection. Like I mentioned, right. him living in my house was not the same. It wasn't until we actually made an intentional effort to connect on a regular basis, in which we're not distracted by phones, TV, ball games, other people. That's when growth truly happened. That's when. That's again. It goes back to the power of connection. And, and I love the example that you gave. In fact, this brought tears to my eyes. And I, I was with a group of men last night, and they shared the same thing. That it was really one of those aha moments. Mm -hmm. You were talking about it, uh, challenging in the context of discipline and kids, mm -hmm. and how your daughter had, you know, shared some things with her younger brother in a way that, you know, what kid stuff, you know. Sure. Uh, it's just six. Yeah, so, I mean, no, normal kid stuff. Yeah. But I think the default for most of us dads would be to say, "Hey, what are you doing? You don't, you don't talk that way. If you keep talking that way, I'm going to spank your bottom." You know, uh, and, and you know, we we treat it in terms of uh, uh, punishment, or or you're talking in the context of shame, and how really that that can create shame because what it says is you're a bad kid, you're acting bad, quit acting bad. Or I'm going to spank you for being bad, 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 yeah. and and you kind of took a totally different tact with with your daughter and share that because I yeah. thought that was so powerful. Yeah, and what I try to do is 
speak identity into it. And I don't always do this perfectly. And many times, you know, and, because and, and even that's yeah. not always the, the the only or the right the right approach. The there right are times when you got to set boundaries and just say, you know what, enough is there enough. There are times you need no, to spank your no, kids, but they continue to not yeah. listen to you. But you got to listen to the Holy Spirit. You got to hear the heart. You know, in that moment. You know, because here it is. I see my kids and I see their connection meter with me. They leak. It's going to leak. If I don't keep feeling it, it's going to leak. I have an intuitive sense. I feel like the Lord's giving me to kind of tell. Like my wife is really good at it. So my, if my daughter's acting up more, she'll say, you know what? Um, Alethea needs to spend a little more time with us. She has eyes, the, the, the eyes inside to recognize that, you know. And so, so in that moment, I recognize what she needs for me is not... You know, hey, you're doing something wrong. But instead, to to grab her and make a connection and speak life and say and say, hey, look, that's not who you are. I encourage her. I speak identity into who she is, and I I remind her of the good emotions of loving her brother because she's so caring, she's so loving. Right. That was not like her. So you're saying, hey, yeah. this is not you. You're no. you're a loving sister. You love your little brother. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and you you cast vision for who for the really right. calling the real her out. Well, I have to make a decision. Do she need a challenging connection right now, or does she need an encouraging connection right and maybe now? Maybe a little both. And, and but but in that moment, she needs an encouraging connection because she's been missing that connection. Because you know, you know, the light gets busy, and you know, yeah. it's not urgent in front of us, and we forget the connection. But but in that moment, we made this powerful encouragement connection, which again, I'm telling you, it saves you so much time and energy. You you yeah, you, it's hard now. You gotta take a little more energy right now, but in the long run, you don't have to deal with all these other issues because they the, the heart connection meter is full. So you weren't focusing on the behavior. What I love, you're focusing on the identity that was fueling the behavior. Yeah. You're focusing on the lack of connection that was manifesting and acting yeah. out in this situation. And and what she really needed was not information in her head. She needed connection at her heart. Exactly, it's not a head issue at all. She knows better. Yeah. All my kids, your kids generally all know better. That's not an informational issue. Rarely is an informational issue. Sometimes, rarely. But again, I, I want to encourage you, parents, just don't be like, well, I missed it. Like, this is not easy. And we're all learning and yeah. growing. There are times in which you're frustrated, the baby's crying, this is going on, and then that kid's being selfish. You just want to be like, okay, everyone stop. Yeah. Everyone stop right now. Okay, you are over. You feel overwhelmed. And we don't always get to do that. Yeah. But I want to remind you, there, is a mo there are moments, open the eyes of your understanding yes. and look for connection. No, that's good. That's, so, a, that's a paradigm shift. Yeah. Let, let's wrap up this podcast with the last one. So we talked about... Um, help me out. Encourager. Encourager. Challenger. And challenger. And then the last one you said was counselor. Yeah. So how, do, how does a counselor, how is that different? Because certainly counselors can encourage and counselors can challenge. But what are you really getting at when you talk about the need for a counselor? I define counselor as someone who really brings healing. It helps you find rest. I mean, someone you call when you're in pain. Someone you call. I mean, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Yeah. Jesus said that. Yeah. Did you know that you can go to the Holy Spirit with your pain? Yeah. Like... We, we believe it theologically, but do we actually go to the Holy Spirit for our pain and say, Holy Spirit, will you heal my heart? I mean, some of my most powerful healing moments came from the going directly from the Holy Spirit. Now, God also uses the Holy Spirit in each other, in other people. So there's a powerful, um, powerful uh, objective or mission from the Lord to each other, to the body of Christ, to heal each other. And I love what you said, because this may be a male-female difference, and again, I'm generalizing, but... Yeah. Men are fixers, so our wives come to us, they're hurting, maybe they've had a rough day, or maybe it's been a rough time with the kids, yeah. uh, something happened, there was a hurt, 
uh, and you know, you walk in the room, and the first thing we do as men is we want to say, okay, well, we analyze the situation, <laughs> yeah. and we go, okay, here's three steps you need to take, and then everything will be fine. And our wives or whoever leave the room going, you know, he didn't even understand me, which makes him feel all the more hurt and distant and everything. So, so instead of healing it, we exacerbate it. Now, talk about that, because when we talk about a counselor, we're really talking about somebody who simply understands and whose presence brings healing to us. Yeah. So, I mean, just summarize real quickly. I mean, you should really hear the sermon if you guys want to find out more or read the book. But um, basically, what they need is not information. They need connection. How do I connect? What does it look like to connect? Well, you listen. Yeah. You empathize with what they're, you try as hard, even though you might not be good at it. You can always just shut your mouth and listen. You empathize with what they're feeling. You really try as hard as you can to understand how they're feeling. Like Jesus empathized with us, like we said in Hebrews. And then in that, in that process of empathizing, without trying to fix their problem or tell them they shouldn't feel that way, you give them what they really need, which is connection. And that connection is what heals somebody. Yeah. I made the I made the reference. Connection to someone's hurting soul is like bread to a hungry stomach. That's good. That's really what it is. And without going any more complex than that, yeah. there's oh, what's the deep? No, there's nothing deeper than that. Yeah. Give them the gift of connection because connection is healing. Yeah. I think in a marital situation, sometimes just when I hold my wife in my arms and I just say what happened, I listen. Um, like you said, I empathize. Yeah. Um, maybe provide some encouragement. Uh, I'm not good at fixing things anyway, so I probably don't have three steps most of the time. But um, but really what she wanted was just for me to, to know that I'm a safe place. We use that term a lot in our yeah. marriage ministry and stuff. But think about yourself in a, in a friendship. Can your can your friend trust you with their heart? You know, are you are you a safe place or are you somebody that's going to stab them in the back, gossip about them? Are you a fair weather friend? You know, you're there only when the things are going great. Or are you are you truly a covenant relationship where no matter what that person is going through, they can find a safe place uh, in your heart where they can where they can be real. And we got to wrap it up because we're running out of time. But yeah. I, I, last thing I want to make is a safe place. Uh, you know, most friends, good intentions, aren't trying to stab you in the back. I, I don't think that's the case. Is is are they so? Are they trying to fix your problem? If they're trying to fix your problem, it's no longer a safe place. They, when you go to them, do they understand that, hey, you know what, I'm just going to listen yeah. and I'm going to just give you a connection. I think most of us with good intention, I've done a million times, good intention try to solve people's problem. Yeah. And sometimes people want their problem solved. But yet when you identify that's not really the problem, right. to, the safe place to say, you know what, I want to hear you. I want to feel your, feel your pain. I want to connect with you. I hear you and I care. I care. That's yeah. it. Amen. That's, that's it. simple. We can all do that. We can all learn to do that better. So next time we're together, we're going to talk about the third critical building block here to growth, and that is responsibility. So make sure you join us. Thanks for tuning in today. Uh, and please help us to get this message uh, spread far and wide. You can like it. You can comment on it. We'd love to hear your comments. Uh, and again, we just appreciate you taking the time to connect with us as we want to connect with you. Have a great week. We love you. Until next Thursday, uh, we'll see you soon.